Hello and welcome to Muppet Sational, the Muppet Show podcast, hosted by three huge Muppet fans. Join us each week as we dive into an episode of Jim Henson's classic variety show, now finally available on Disney+. This week, it's season one, episode one. Again! Following the reshuffle on Disney+, we're going back to the beginning with an episode starring the elegant and sophisticated Juliet Prowse. It's time to get things started on the chronological-ish, explorational, conversational, Muppetsational! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Muppetsational. I'm Lewis Chandler. I'm Jay Turner. And I'm Emma Chandler. And it's been quite a fun couple of days for us. <laughs> <laughs> I do not understand why they decided that after not even one week of being on the service, they were going to switch the episode order around. I mean, it's like a personal vendetta, I feel like. I'm taking it incredibly personally. <laughs> <laughs> So, as you've heard from my lovely introductions that have preceded the previous two episodes, we had pre-recorded three episodes on the first weekend that The Muppet Show had gone up on Disney+. And then, after four days, they decided to just chuck them back into a different order. And so now, we have gone back to the beginning, season one, episode one, which we will cover today. And then we will continue forward, jumping over the episodes we have already done. It's it's very, very annoying. Hey-ho, it's fine. It's... It's not the end of the world. And if anything, it just adds to the anarchy of the Muppets. So, <laughs> And the flurry of panicked texts we sent to each other going, what do we do? <laughs> I know. I finished work and I had like 20 messages on my phone. I was like, what's happening? <laughs> Emma, the fact that you have to work is on you. It's not our fault that Jade and I's <laughs> industries no longer exist anymore. Anyway, shall we? While we're talking about uh, production orders, Jade, do you want to explain to us <laughs> this week's minefield of? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I can. I can have a go. I'm still a bit confused myself. So this episode, starring Juliet Prowse, was originally broadcast on the 16th of January 1977. It was the 19th episode shown in the original broadcast run. However, the production code lists it as the second episode to be made. But now Disney Plus have included it as episode one. And as far as I can see, it's largely regarded as episode one. So I don't really quite understand that, to be perfectly honest. Just to say as well, the writing team on this one was Jack Burns, Jim Henson and Jerry Jewell. And then the director was Peter Harris as well. So Emma, have you got some info on Juliet Prowse for us? Yes, well, um, Juliet was a accomplished dancer and actress and she appeared on screen um, with Sinatra and Elvis Presley and she was in a lot of films and TV shows. She's kind of like one of your quintessential studio actresses where you probably wouldn't recognise or know who she was but then you realise she's actually been in quite a few films. She didn't kind of hit the stratosphere as obviously some of the Hollywood stars at the time but you know she had some notable co-stars and I mean as we see later on in the episode her dancing was absolutely amazing so yeah that's kind of everything I know but I think Lewis you have a little fun fact about her don't you? Now I don't know if we should call it fun (laughs) I'll let you guys be the judge of that um, it's not fun at all, actually. It's just more ridiculous. In the 80s, there was a show uh, in America called Circus of the Stars, which 
as you can probably guess, had celebrities doing circus acts. Oh, no. <laughs> In 1987, uh, she was mauled by the same 80-pound leopard on two separate occasions. Oh, my, oh my goodness. <laughs> so the first one was on Circus of the Stars, and then the second time was when they were doing a promotion for it on The Tonight Show, and the same leopard mauled her again. She required 20 stitches to reattach her ear. <gasps> so, hold on. The the cir- Oh, no, so it can't have gone out live originally because if she was then doing promotion. But, I mean, to be mauled by a leopard once in your life is already <laughs> oh, quite <God>. a <laughs> <laughs> That is not something you want to say. And if it's 1987, that leopard was definitely shot after that like this. <laughs> And you know what? I hope Juliet Prowse got to like have it turned into some sort of throw, like a shoulder throw or something, just to at least for justice. Not that we condone uh, killing animals for sport or for their fur, but maybe this one who attacked Juliet Prowse twice, which feels kind of personal at that point. Wow, I feel a bit bad for saying it's a fun fact. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Juliet. Well, I set you up by writing on the notes, Lewis has a fun fact about Juliet Prowse, but I did put fun in little ellipses. Oops. I wonder if the leopard was just super jealous that she was previously engaged to Frank Sinatra and had an affair with Elvis. She'd obviously had some pretty good luck in her life before. And then the leopard was just like, I've got my eye on you twice. (laughs) I'm coming for you. (laughs) Hello, Jesus. Frank Sinatra and Elvis Presley. That's kind of ridiculous, actually. (laughs) It's insane. It's like, oh, good for you, Juliet Prowse. Good for you. Go, Juliet Prowse. Get yours. (laughs) I read one of her obituaries and it was quite sad. It had a quote from her in it. And she said that one of her biggest regrets of her life was that she'd been stopped from being a ballet dancer because they said she was too tall. She was five foot eight. So not exactly enormous. Do you know who they also told that to? Audrey Hepburn. Well, how tall was she? I think she's about the same height, but they said she was too big to be a ballet dancer. I mean, come on, Audrey Hepburn. (laughs) When she turned sideways, you couldn't see her. That's why they had to keep putting her in those black leotards so you could still see her. She's like one of those fish in bed knobs and broomsticks. She turns out she's gone. At least she got to dance with some beautiful green galloping giraffes on the Muppet Show. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get into that. Before we jump into the episode, I believe, Jade, you want to issue an apology? It's not an apology. No, it's not an apology. Uh- <laughs> it's not. That sounds way too serious, especially with everything that's been going on with people claiming the Muppets have been cancelled all over the place. No, 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 no. It's not an apology. I would like to introduce a, hopefully a short and not too often recurring segment called Fluff It's which is where we might have slightly fluffed something. Good one, Jade. Good one. I feel like we should get some t-shirts made with that on it. (laughs) We can get some merch. Yeah, it's just to say that when I was editing the first episode, I realised that I'd incorrectly identified one of the Tomorrow singing Muppets as Jerry Jewell, and it was in fact based off of the likeness of Jerry Nelson. So... I'm very sorry for that. So I guess it is an apology. There ends the end of this week's Fluff It's. Hopefully it won't be back next week. Well, let's dive into the episode and see what mistakes we can make this week. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to... It was an alright episode, I guess. It has an iconic piece of Muppet history in this episode. Um, I mean, it pretty much lands right at the beginning and Peter and I were both quite surprised to suddenly see Manamana just come out of nowhere. 
It's hilarious. Absolutely iconic, isn't it? And it was really, really lovely to see it. And I guess also knowing that this is now season one, episode one on Disney Plus, it kind of makes sense to me. Basically, the very first thing people are going to see when they log on to watch is going to be Manumana. That was definitely the highlight of the episode to me. You know, seeing seeing the little... Um, I was going to say space cow unicorns. Space cow unicorns. So their official name is Snoths. I think it's meant to be a portmanteau of snout and mouth or snout oh snouths then i guess snouths snout and mouths together snouths i think i must have watched this entire sketch before somewhere but the way that it just gently escalates the whole time is so brilliant even to the point where it then incorporates kermit and backstage and then the phone call and having to pull out the wire of the rotary phone out to the snouts snouths snoofs Snuffs? No, not snuff. Um, <laughs> like pulling it out and just holding it up. It's like, Does everybody want to try and do their best impression of? Go on, James. Go on, Emma. Do it again. Do it again. Oh no, Manamana. No, it's so guttural. Bad. Guttural, Emma. Manamana. There we go. That's it. So much fun. Oh, it's it's just <laughs> no. I was just gonna say it's it's just classic. It's so it was so good to see, and it was in my head the whole time I was watching the episode. It was kind of background music, and it was it was really nice actually to see and just kind of think, wow, this becomes so iconic and so linked to the Muppets. Something that I really really enjoyed about this in particular was how cleverly it used the frame of the camera and the frame of the television. You know, when Menomina disappears to the side and then he pops back up from the bottom and then he comes from the other side. And then there's that amazing use of perspective where he goes backwards and gets really, really tiny and small, but is still joining in and then rushes forwards again. It's everything that's really, really clever about, you know, how Jim Henson brought puppets to the screen and how he used television as a specific medium to to bring puppets to life. And... I think in a way the craftsmanship of that does go on into especially Juliet's dance sequence. But yeah, in terms of like the energy and the excitement and obviously just the sheer kind of iconic nature of this sketch, you don't get that again, I don't think, throughout the rest of the episode. Like you start on a real high and then it's very kind of middling after that. Now, how is Scooter in this episode... (laughs) No, just existing, even though he only got introduced last week. This episode, reordering stuff, is blowing my mind. I feel like I'm watching a Christopher Nolan movie. It's like, <laughs> it's like, the combination of that and then Kermit drinking milk. I was like, how is that oh, happening? Oh, I love that. When he, when he was like, think about it, folks. Think about it. How is this happening? I love that little nod. That little nod to camera with the think about it. I was like... Kermit, I am, but I don't know. I don't know how you're doing it, Kermit. You're a genius, as as you were called later on in the show. So clever. Yeah, the, the Scooter thing was bizarre. What if Scooter is dead and he's a ghost in the theatre and he died in some sort of accident with his uncle and he just has to haunt the theatre? <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> Scooter's been dead for 10 years. <laughs> Oh, poor Scooter. I think I'd rather go for he's a time traveller than he's dead <laughs> haunting the theatre. <laughs> like the final episode of the Muppet Show in season five, they're gonna open they're gonna find some sort of like trunk and find his like 
a dead body in there. I guess maybe to to take it back to very, very logistical point, maybe they always knew that this episode, even though it was the first one or one of the first ones that they produced, was never going to be one of the first ones to air. So they were always thinking that they were going to produce an episode that would introduce him. It just wasn't going to be in this one. They never would have thought in 1976 that a bunch of people over the internet would be discussing (laughs) this show, which you can now access again via the internet, but from your television. What a time to be alive, apart from Scooter, who is dead. This is my theory for the episode. Scooter's been dead the whole time. I think you're just still jealous that Scooter's uncle owns the theatre and he's got an inn. Yep, I think that's right, Jade. He doesn't deserve to be that. (laughs) Oh my God, what if I killed him? Oh my God. (laughs) See, then it would be time travel. What a twist. (laughs) Ah. Even I didn't see it coming. Do you want to talk about the uh, the scooter runner really quickly? I guess because the last episode that we watched was the Jim Neighbors one that had a very similar runner in terms of it be the joke being about Scooter's uncle owning the theater. I was just instantly disengaged from it to be honest because yep. it was just very <laughs> one note. I mean it's quite amusing that Muppy has all of these demands. You could obviously see the the Muppy show joke coming a mile away, but it was just a bit disappointing that they're not doing a bit more with Scooter yet. Because I, I quite, I, you know, I like Scooter. I think he's a fun character and just want a little bit more for him than just, hey guys, do you know who my uncle is? You know. Yeah. Ugh. Peter enjoyed when uh, Muppy attacked Kermit a little bit because he loves when a, <laughs> like a cartoon puppet attacks someone. Just, <laughs> this is hilarious. So I was really pleased to see that Gonzo was in this episode because I feel like we haven't really seen him performing properly as of yet. No, just looking like a wreck. (laughs) Just, well, yeah, I mean, I guess there was the song, but I mean, doing doing a kind of Gonzo style performance on his own. And what I really liked was Kermit introduced him as the Muppet Show's resident artist. So was Gonzo originally meant to be like a performance artist kind of person? And even at the end, after he's booed off stage, he says like the audience don't understand art. So is him eating a rubber tyre to the music of the flight of the bumblebee, is that meant to be like Andy Warhol-esque or something? Like, is this meant to be like highfalutin art that none of us understand because Gonzo's just so on another level and so amazing that us simpletons are just like, whoa, this is Marina Abramovich. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I could, I'm, I'm picturing like Gonzo just like hanging out with uh, Andy Warhol and Jackson Pollock at like Studio 54. Just, <laughs> they, they just don't understand me. <laughs> It made me giggle, but he still looks, well, obviously he still looks crazy because this was made before the other ones and his voice is still super strange. Probably is from eating all those tyres. I was going to say, I don't think that's good (laughs) to just constantly eat (laughs) tyres. No, definitely not. I didn't feel like any of uh, Statler and Waldorf's uh, zingers were really on it today. Oh, I there was a couple that I enjoyed. They weren't, maybe weren't as sort of... Um, Acerbic. Yes, yes. Sharp, pointed. Pointed. <laughs> Lewis has got his thesaurus out, everybody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just different ways to describe someone who's a homosexual, to be honest. <laughs> Acerbic, pointed, <laughs> judgmental. <laughs> no, they were. they certainly weren't as acerbic as... 
as well, yeah, as they kind of grow to be, I did still find them largely amusing, although some of them didn't land as well. But what this sketch does let us land into is Juliet Prowse's fabulous entrance. <laughs> it's kind of like a lifelong dream of mine to walk out of a dressing room in a bedazzled dressing gown to the applause of an audience. <laughs> Just like... <laughs> I really did feel like she was sort of going, I've arrived. <laughs> What a front! <laughs> the sparkly Chinese dragon on the dressing gown was was quite mesmerising. And I noticed when she left the dressing room, there was something on the back, but we never really got to see it, which is such a shame. She should have done a little twirl for no. us so that we could have seen the whole thing. I love the fact that literally, like, all the behind the scenes stuff, she's in the robe. And then it's only when she's <laughs> actually on stage, she's dressed. I mean, it's just classic. Yeah. I mean, I was known to do that on my year on tour, <laughs> just <laughs> lounge in my dressing gown, just <laughs> waiting for the matinee to finish. After that, she does go on stage, doesn't she? That's that's when we get her her dance, her Fantasia, <laughs> hallucinogenic, trippy uh, forest <laughs> forest number. It was. Um... Oh, I thought it it was quite sweet. I mean, you could obviously tell she was using a lot of um, ballet kind of moves. But yeah, it was a bit kind of trippy. And also, like you say, I don't know if they were like green giraffes, unicorns, horses, some kind of mythical creature jumping around. It, it did make more sense from, because we didn't mention the, the, the cut to Juliet Prowse in the titles after Kermit says, Juliet Prowse, and it cuts to her. And then these sort of green fronded like phallic things just sort of like came into the shot and started like approaching her and she got and looks like oh this is a bit weird and I was like what are those <laughs> and then it was a slight relief to find out they were just green giraffes from a dance number that was upcoming but um well to be honest it just reeked of marijuana to me <laughs> like it just it, like <laughs> Marijuana must have been strong in 1976 or 77. I suppose most of the kind of host sketches that we've seen so far have been the host doing what the host does, but then there's been a comedic Muppet element with it. Whereas this to me was more the host doing what the host does and then we're just going to add Muppets to it, but not in a comedic way. Mm. One of the bits I kind of struggled with a little bit with it was because the legs on the giraffes were really floppy and they just kept moving kind of any which way. So whereas with the Muppets and a lot of puppetry that's like that, you know, where you use that back black lighting so that you don't see the performers, I feel like there's usually a kind of level of stiffness isn't the right word, but I guess just very carefully constructed puppets Mm. so that they move exactly in the way you want them to. Whereas with this, there was a kind of looseness to the giraffe legs that actually meant that there wasn't that finesse that I think it kind of needed for it to be this beautiful, sweeping Juliet Prowse dance performance. I bet there was a bit of looseness to the puppeteers as well. because (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you two remember, it sort of reminded me of, you know, in Animal Kingdom where you have the Finding Nemo musical you have like the puppeteers pretending to be like Nemo and Marlon and Dory and they've got their crazy outfits in and then they kind of use the same sort of techniques obviously it's a lot more advanced than we're seeing uh, on the Muppet show but also I did realize I think out of all the episodes we've seen so far 
she's the only host that hasn't actually sung a song. She didn't do a turn. She didn't yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a shame, really. Um, particularly, uh, Maybe she just wasn't a strong singer. Jade, I think you're right. I sort of mentioned Fantasia because it literally kind of felt, like, as you said, like the Muppets weren't being used in a comedic way. It's kind of the equivalent of when Walt Disney was like, and now we're going to use animation to give art to the masses yeah. and we'll play them Tchaikovsky and they'll see beautiful scenes. And it, this felt like a Muppet equivalent of that. And I'm not here for that from the Muppets. It's It was nice enough to watch. And I'm sure it was even better to watch after you had passed the judging by the left-hand side. But it just, yeah, it just left me a bit cold, to be honest. I feel the same. I feel like if it was going to be a sort of beautiful celebration of puppetry and artistry, it needed to be better produced than just a cardboard cutout of some forest floor wreaths and things and then some randomly placed on the ceiling vines and whatnot. There wasn't enough there to kind of link into. Um, and I guess also because of the fact that they used the black lighting, it was just her in this sea of black, really, which actually, for her, you know, she wasn't filling the frame, as it were. So... Yeah, I don't know. It just all kind of fell a little bit flat, even though her, I agree with you, Emma, her dancing was really beautiful. And I did, I thought they'd obviously really thought about her outfit with the coral and the floaty sleeves and everything. But yeah, it just, considering that was her sort of starring turn, it wasn't the best and it wasn't what you want from the Muppet show. That could have been on anything, I think. Then we get another goddamn ballroom <laughs> sketch. <laughs> I have nothing to say about this. The only thing I was impressed by was that it expected the audience, just the general populace, to know uh, who Francis Bacon was. I was quite like, I was like, wow, they assume a lot of a 1970s television watching audience. But also, didn't Piggy have like a really weird British posh accent? I think it was just Richard Hunt again, I think. I think it's just not, it just wasn't Frank Oz. It just wasn't Frank Oz. Oh, okay. The one thing I noted down about it was that it was just mercifully short compared to some of the others so i was very very grateful that it was short and sweet and knew not to outstay its welcome even though its mere presence outmeant it outstayed its well. every time they cut to that chandelier i'm just like christ <laughs> you know what's coming don't you you're just yeah. like oh no what's gonna happen this time bad puns is what's gonna happen bad puns by like off the rack muppets <laughs> And then it was followed by, I'd say, probably our, our second least favourite spot each week, the UK spot, which this instance was Rolf. Lewis, you look like you want to confess something. I didn't mind this UK spot. And what I did was I got myself into the correct mindset for it. There's the news that maybe we're going to be allowed to start going out to bars and restaurants again. And I was like, right, okay. This isn't the Muppet Show. You are two vodka martinis deep at a piano bar. <laughs> and Rolf the dog is just vamping at the piano and telling this kind of nonsense story. And I was like, no, I love this. This is fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I tried to just picture myself in some nice art deco bar, holding my little glass and just like, there's a nice Rolf the dog just sitting at the piano, just... Tend a strange little preamble to a song that will probably be half as long as the preamble that precedes it. And I was like, do you know what? Fine. Like, this is, this is fine. I like it. I'd say this is probably the least, well, other than Tomorrow, which I did genuinely enjoy, 
of the other ones, this is probably the least offensive. You know, we didn't have Gonzo doing whatever the hell he'd been doing in the Jim Neighbors <laughs> episode. But I just, again, I just think it's so clearly, maybe they didn't even write it. Maybe they just sort of improvised it. And it was just, Jim's just going to get Rolf and he's just going to do something. And we're going to put that out in the UK because they're lucky and they don't get so many adverts, but they do get this. We get that we might not get the adverts, but we get the filler. <laughs> But my God, oh my God, if there was an option on Disney Plus where you could press watch the 1976 advertisements that yes. would have fallen on either side of the Muppet <gasps> Show. Can you imagine? Oh, the cigarettes they would have been selling. They would have had like... <laughs> Actually, we had a warning for that, didn't we? Tobacco depiction. Because of that Muppet that was literally smoking out of an orifice without a cigarette. No, I think it was probably Statler was smoking a cigar, wasn't he, at one point, and then it exploded. <gasps> oh, yeah. So I think it's probably for that. I thought they literally meant that, do you mind if I smoke? And then he just <laughs> thought, so I was like, I don't think a child could replicate just creating smoke from some sort of hole on top of his head. <laughs> no, I'm guessing it's because Statler had a cigar. I had forgotten that, yes. So yeah, so it was a bit of a okay-ish uh, UK spot. But yeah, I enjoyed just having Rolf vamp around to be a little showbiz. I guess it did lead us in quite nicely to the Kermit and Juliet talk spot. I guess, again, like you said, Lewis, it was sort of just a bit kind of conversational and loose, which I quite like their conversation. It felt relatively natural compared to some of the other the other talk spots we had. I don't know what you two both thought. Yeah, definitely. It was. I thought it was quite sweet, actually. They um, they had quite a nice little rapport going on. And then I liked it when Juliet was kind of talking Kermit up and um, she said he was the Robert Redford of France. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, come on, that's quite cute. And, you know, when he was kind of making jokes and just saying, like, the first to go on a frog is its legs... <laughs> and everything and it's just like oh Kermit and then when he was like saying to her well like would you kiss the Robert Redford of frogs and then she was like no I'd kiss I can't remember who she said now like no it was um would you would you put up would you go for the next best thing and she says is Paul Newman here (laughs) that was yeah that was quite funny it's a shame that she didn't really have any more like interactions with any other Muppets in any other sketches. Like you say, she doesn't really do a turn and she's got good chat. She had good chat and she had like good comic bones. Like you could see it in like some little teeny tiny moments. And that's why it's such a shame that that dance number didn't have yeah. a little twist on it. Oh, it would have been so good. Yeah. Like if they got Miss Piggy to try and join in with her. Yes. Or... <laughs> that would have been great. That would have been so funny. Again, at this point, she had still yet to be allowed to... <laughs> Was she in her dressing gown in this scene as well but she was on stage having a conversation (laughs) i've got in my notes is juliet not allowed another outfit (laughs) (laughs) they haven't got the budget so she had to be on stage in her dressing gown for the chat to the host section which i was like juliet (laughs) like do you want to do this or did you want to wear a nice gown (laughs) maybe she really liked the dressing gown i mean i really love the dress i'd wear it i'd wear it to sainsbury's (laughs) (laughs) Was she wearing a wig or has she just got like that kind of 1970s hair where it's got so much lacquer in it that you like nothing moves? I don't know. I have, I wondered, I did think because like the hairline at the front didn't quite make sense with like the style. But then like you say, at that time, everyone was wearing wigs. Uh, but then it could have been her hair and like... A piece. Yeah. Yeah, Because I, I can't remember what her hair was like during the dance. Because if it was exactly the same, then she clearly only came with one wig <laughs> or... I just couldn't tell with her hair. It's that strange kind of 
it was the hairline that I kept looking at and thinking, I don't think that looks quite natural, but <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> oh, well, better at least to have a wig that just sits there and <laughs> does its job rather than the sentient boa that she had to deal with in one of her <laughs> other little skit moments, which was quite alarming. <laughs> just, it was like, hiya, toots. It was like, just, The first thing I wrote down about that was, it looks like it could be a Muppet. And that was before the reveal. So then when, yeah. it, when it was the reveal and it said, hiya, toots and everything, I was like, it is a Muppet. Yay. <laughs> like- <laughs> you wouldn't be able to do that today. It's only specifically with 20th century garish clothing where you wouldn't be able to tell whether it was a fashion choice or an inanimate muppet <laughs> i was gonna say i was slightly confused i was like so what's gonna happen oh okay that's happening that's what's going on <laughs> oh and between those moments we had the cowboy sketch yeah kid fozzy comes to town which i just didn't really see the point of it to be completely honest with you fozzy was just really odd doing his alleged john wayne impression <laughs> which to me just made him sound like a robot yeah it, it was just very strange his voice was really weird wasn't it do you not like his voice was so odd did the sketch in the world of the muppet show did that sketch go correctly as in the sketch was always written that fozzy would come on with pickles and everything would blow up or did the sketch in the world go wrong and they were making the best of it no i think that was the sketch well i don't know it it was kind of a bit all over the place to be honest like obviously they had got some gags where he was gonna have you know pickles and apples and everything instead of obviously a gun but then again rolf has a gun so the whole thing of Muppets not holding guns or weapons doesn't quite work there. I was surprised when he came out with a, a very legitimate looking pistol. Like it wasn't even sort of like a toy gun. It was like, oh, that's a a gun. It is a gun. Yeah, no, I don't know. I feel, I do feel a bit of both. I feel a bit like it was a bit like, well, we filmed it. We might as well use it. It doesn't really make that much sense. But it did obviously have the gags with like the exploding apple and 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 everything. But what, but what I meant is, is it like Acorn Antiques? Where it's, it's designed to go wrong. You mean? Yes, that's what oh, I, I just I, yeah, I could maybe I just really couldn't work, and it made me struggle to enjoy the sketch because I wasn't basically sure what the joke was. Like, is it puns? Is it it's going wrong? Is it it's a bit shonky? Like, I just couldn't get a handle on it. I honestly just think it was poorly written, and <laughs> the joke was as simple as. Fozzie's a cowboy rocking up with some pickles, a carrot and an apple. Yeah, I don't I don't think there was anything more than that. And then just a good old fashioned Muppet explosion, which is when we got the Statler and Wardorf bit that I did enjoy, which was when they very meta had that commentary about the Muppets being weird because they think explosions are funny. And then you've got a second explosion with the cigar yeah. exploding. One thing I did enjoy, I did enjoy Fozzie's outfit, his white cowboy hat and neckerchief. It was the first of two outfits of his that I would quite happily wear to Pride. So <laughs> I did like his little natty ensemble. I was like, ooh, that's fun. I could steal that. You could wear that and Juliet Prowse's Muppet boa constrictor, <laughs> Lewis, and you'd be away. No, I was going to say the only other Fozzie outfit I would wear is in the final sketch where he was just wearing a, a collar. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> family show lewis family show <laughs> yeah now again internal continuity of this episode fozzy comes straight off stage having done this cowboy sketch and then he asks kermit 
am I going to do an act this week? But specifically, what he's referring to there is his stand-up act. Okay, I did wonder that. Yeah, specifically, that's what he's asking is, am I going on stage to be heckled by Statler and Waldorf? But I... How how well how did you two feel about this Simon Smith and the Dancing Bear or oh, the Amazing Dancing Bear? Sorry, because I should we know who Simon Smith is? No, so the song is a Randy Newman song. So as in, you've got a friend in me. As in, you've got a friend in me. Yeah. <gasps> oh, good for him. I was reading about it, and apparently, it was one of the first songs. Well, he claims it's the first song that he wrote that sort of changed his style of writing. So he started to write the more story-based imaginative songs Uh. that tell a story effectively i guess maybe it had it was already quite a famous song in the 70s i mean i just found it very strange because you obviously had scooter dressed up as this ringmaster and then he's got fozzy on a chain (laughs) in my evening pride outfit yes (laughs) in in lewis's evening pride outfit like i don't know i just it just didn't feel right to me like it felt quite creepy and odd and even when Fozzie then had a bit of a sudden change of heart and seemed to be getting quite into it, I struggled to get on board with it, I guess. The optics of having a sketch around a dancing bear probably falls a little bit on harder ears in 2021 than it did in 1970s. Do you know what I mean? Like, sort of like, oh, we saw a dancing bear at that circus that came to town and that would be (laughs) like, now the only dancing bears we see are bears that have been driven mad. (laughs) And we see charity adverts. I liked the hat business. I liked he threw away the hat and it came back to him. It was a bit like New Zealand and his boomerang fish. Yeah, well, I, I feel like they literally went like, oh, what's a song with a bear in it? Oh, yeah, I know a song with a bear in it. Okay, great. Let's do that song with Fozzie then. That's, you know, that's that's something yeah. that we can do. Mm. Unlike Muppet Glee Club, which I actually had quite a lot of affection for because I felt like it played on some of the more typical and slightly stronger Muppet traits that we have with Kermit being frustrated, a chorus of Muppets not doing what Kermit (laughs) wants them to do, playing with this idea, you know, like I really loved it when they were like, you wave that stick wonderfully. (laughs) It's just kind of driving him mad. So I found out as well. So Piggy, again, her voice was Richard Hunt's voice he'd recorded the singing but it is actually frank oz puppeteering her and i think you can see that especially at the end the way that she throws herself on kermit and everything you know at the kind of crescendo of the piece an interesting example of her two performers from the first season working together and you you do definitely kind of see that mishmash her characterization was definitely in the right place like there's i don't know if you guys even notice it there's a little moment where she turns to one of the other pigs next to her and she goes I love him. Yes. Like, just, like, he gives her a note. She just goes, I love him. And I was like, oh, look, this is like the sort of seeds of, you know, it all coming. And and also, yeah, just her whole, it makes so much sense now when you say that, Jay, because I was like, her singing voice doesn't seem right, but her manner and even her moves. And yeah, that all felt really on it. She felt like Piggy. She felt like Piggy, even though she didn't sound like Piggy. It was um yeah. It was all right. It's it's. I don't know about you two. It's always funny hearing the word Glee Club used in any other context apart from the uh, controversial Fox Television show because Glee clubs just aren't really a thing here in the UK. Yeah, I mean, I guess they could have just called it choir yeah. for a UK audience, and that would have been that would have been fine, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think it's quite funny because obviously, even though the Muppet Show is being filmed in the UK, um, they do use quite a lot of American terms. So yeah, I, I agree. I think kind of calling it Glee Club 
might not have actually resonated with a British audience. But then again, I suppose it's been syndicated in America. But like you said, Jade, they could have called it choir. (laughs) I was very proud of Piggy making her way to the front of the choir, though, which is important in any (laughs) choir scenario. I know. That made me laugh, pushing her way through. She's like, it's very solo. It was cute. I did like it. She was never going to stay a chorus girl for too long. Never. And thank God she didn't. (laughs) Never, ever, ever. She slept with the director and she got her way to the top. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. And also, I was just going to say, I think, is that the first time that we hear the hens actually talking? Yeah, I suppose one of those would technically be Camilla, maybe. Or a proto-Camilla before she becomes Camilla. Yeah. It's just weird not to hear them just clucking. Yes. I was trying to work out what was strange about them, but I was like, is it because they're wearing full evening gowns? <laughs> like, because they sit, they sit at their cleavage, but then they obviously to hide the puppeteers hang all the way down. I was like, so wait, what is the physiology of this chicken where they've just got this floor length gown on, even though the rest of their body is like perched up here? They looked grey. I was just very confused. It certainly drew the eye up. Like, but, uh, oh. Now, okay, we've basically got to the end of the episode and I don't want to sort of come back onto my they've been dead all along. But then we get another kind of bizarre horror, which is the Juliet Prowse Muppet. Did they clone Juliet Prowse and turn her into a Muppet to give her as a gift? Did they hypnotise a pre-existing chorus girl and tell her you're Juliet Prowse? Because she clearly doesn't know where she is because she even says like, can I come home with you? Because she doesn't know what she's doing. Who is this poor woman and how do we help her? Lewis, I think uh, I think you've got too entangled in the Muppets being real. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> well, I think from what I read, the original idea was that everyone who hosted the show would get a Muppet version of themselves uh... and then it just proved too difficult to do it. So they did it for the first two episodes and we'll see connie stevens and her muppet of her next week and they did it they did do it michael kane obviously has a muppet of him from muppet christmas carol and i think did they do one for tim curry i have no idea i didn't even know there was a precedent for this kind of yeah thing. but i think i think it just became obviously with the with the hectic shooting schedule and 20 odd episodes a season, it just became unfeasible that they could create a Muppet of every single host. But that was the original idea. Sorry to break the illusion of a of a genuine Juliet Prowse Muppet existing in this world. <laughs> but that's what alarms me, because in the narrative of this, it's like, so, <laughs> so is Juliet Prowse now responsible for this adult female Muppet who now has just got to live with her and looks like her <laughs> yeah. does she have to bring her to parties does she have to explain <laughs> her to people like oh and this is my muppet that lives with me now <laughs> Just like... she has to get a babysitter every time she leaves well she might be an adult woman we don't know <laughs> she might have had a life no, i'm going down the walter route here she's a very naive puppet who needs who needs care and attention <laughs> Okay. it just it just it just threw me for a loop on an episode that was already sort of throwing me all over the place, really. I think it's time that we talk about our MVMB. I'm going to throw it to you first, Jade. Who was your most valued Muppet performer? Well, this probably won't come as a massive shock to the pair of you, but I think it's got to be the Snouths. They're so cute and adorable and they're so good. And the other thing that I found out, because I didn't really know much about them, to be honest, but I was having a look. 
and they're both performed by Frank Oz. He performed them both on his two hands, which is why they just have little dangly arms because they're being performed by one person. And I just think that's amazing that he was performing both of them at the same time. And I love their interactions. I love their facial expressions. They look like they're getting so annoyed at Menomina, but then they obviously get quite disappointed when he leaves and then they're like really happy that he's back. Yeah, I just think they're adorable. I love them. They were a real highlight for me seeing them. And from what I've seen, we're not going to see an awful lot more of them in the show, which is a real shame. So I'm very, very pleased that we got to see them this time, even if we're not going to see them a whole bunch more across the rest of the series. Lewis, how about you? Who is your MVMP? I mean, it's probably the same. It's probably the snuff, sniffs, snoofs. Snouths. Snouths. <laughs> <laughs> Now, does the does the I don't want to presume gender the the hairy uh, yeah he's called Manamana oh he's he's oh, okay <laughs> yeah he's Manamana Manamana and the snouts yes oh that's I'm gonna get my teeth in. <laughs> yeah it's it's gotta be them I guess particularly Manamana the way that their eyes could just sort of uh, I think they could even blink they did a little sort of like winking thing you could see him as he went back into the further distance he was doing like a and even not it's not even so much the song it's his (laughs) 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 thank you uh (laughs) hold your applause it's fine fine. (laughs) they're clapping at home (laughs) (laughs) but it'd be a juliet prowse coming out of a dressing room style applause (laughs) Imagine I'm wearing a dressing gown. Actually, don't. That's I've talked enough about my outfits today. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's them. The only other close one would probably be the sentient feather boa. But even <laughs> then, I was a bit like, ah! <laughs> it was more just alarming than it was most valued. And uh, my campaign starts now to free the Juliet Prowse Muppet. <laughs> Where is she? <laughs> Emma, who was your MVMP for the week? I think we're going to do a uh, clean sweep for the snouts because I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! Those unicorn space cows. <laughs> no, I love them. I just think they're really great. That whole manamana is so iconic and so linked with the Muppets. And delicious BNBN biscuits. Oh, yeah. No, don't. Oh, that used to drive me insane. I miss BNs. <laughs> we were never allowed them in our house, were we? No, Emma? because they were like really full of E numbers and fake biscuits. <laughs> I thought it was because they were just expensive branded biscuits and we would get like Asda Smart Price biscuits. No, like. no, we didn't, Lewis. It was probably we did, because... Emma, we always... We never got like officially... Bra- we never had like Maryland cookies in the house. We had like Asda cookies. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, well, let's let's save the cookie <laughs> chat and not go into it right now. Emma, Lewis is, Lewis is dropping these little nuggets in preparation for his memoirs later <laughs> when he can genuinely be like, I came from working class roots. <laughs> we never got Maryland or BNBs. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Our wealthy friends who lived at the docks were allowed to have satellite television. Oh, yes, exactly. Lived at the docks, Lewis. <laughs> Hardly the definition of wealth. jade what rating would you give the episode out of 10 i've gone with seven vanishing statlers seven well primarily simply because of menomina because i feel like it's too (laughs) you're giving i but honestly like i did i did enjoy that so much 
And then also, like I said earlier, I did enjoy the Muppet Glee Club. Like I, I enjoyed seeing Piggy in that and I enjoyed seeing the the dynamic between Kermit and the chorus of Muppets. And and I did enjoy Juliet's dance, although I do I wish it had been more Muppety. I wish it mm. hadn't just been a showcase of her dance. I was reluctant to go much lower than seven just purely because of Menomina. I just felt like I couldn't I couldn't do that to them. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I'm at a seven. And and I don't know if that is necessarily re- reflective of the entire quality of the episode as a whole, but actually the... Oh, maybe I should go... Did I give seven to Rita? You gave seven to Rita Moreno, I oh, believe. Oh, maybe I should re-record this and give it a six. No, you... you sti- No, I'm not even going to let you re-record it, Jade. This has been committed to the podcast <laughs> and you will have to live in your shame. <laughs> No, can I just, can I put it down to a six? <laughs> no, I'm refusing and I'm committing to this now. And also I'm editing this episode, so I'm not letting it. I'm keeping this bit in as well. There you go, Jane. That'll, that'll teach you. <laughs> no, I feel like I want to just go back and say six. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I will, I will allow you to, you can give it a different number. <laughs> Thanks, <rating>. Lewis. <laughs> I'll I'll just drop it to a six, I think, because I do I do genuinely feel like Menomina deserves a decent score, but on reflection of the fact that I'd given Rita a seven, I feel like this is clearly nowhere near a higher standard as, of an episode as that episode was. So I'll drop it to a Absolutely. six. Emma, treading on eggshells here, but uh, <laughs> what are you, where are you going? I know. I feel like I'm gonna get shouted at. I feel like it's, you know, getting a bit tense. Emma's far more judgmental. She's Emma. No, Emma no. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it a five. I haven't even come up with a fun pun this week because I didn't really know what to use. So I'm going to say five Robert Redford of frogs out of ten. <laughs> um, <laughs> purely because that part with Kermit and Juliet, um, the Glee Club, and obviously Manamana the highlights of this episode and I do feel like Juliet was underused so yeah I think to be completely honest again this is going to score a five for me this week Emma are you going to ask me what (laughs) she's scared Lewis (laughs) (laughs) she's actually terrified I completely forgot that we hadn't done your one yet Lou (laughs) I thought we were done So what about you, Lou? What are you going to give this uh, episode rating? I'm going to go lower than both of you, actually. I'm going to give it four and a half green floating giraffes out of ten. This is just not what I come to The Muppet Show for. I want a guest who is allowed to have fun and sort of get to do maybe something a bit more unconventional and, you know, break loose a little bit, which is kind of why I feel like Juliet Prowse didn't make a great impression on me either, even though the fact that she's you know, incredibly talented and uh, she wasn't given a chance to really have fun. And Menomina, fantastic, iconic. Glee Club, fine. Everything else, kind of meh. And it just, yeah, nothing really gelled quite together for me. So, you know, this is my least enjoyed episode so far. And I think I gave Jim Neighbours a six or a five. So yeah, four and a half green floaty floppy giraffe things out of 10 i think it's a real mistake on disney's part to be honest one for mucking up our podcast order but two to now make this the first episode that people land on when they potentially jump on to watch the muppets show for the first time i think rita moreno's episode gave a far broader 
exciting expectation of what the Muppet Show can provide as an entity. And this episode just didn't for me. And it's a shame. Yeah, I think overall it's not the strongest episode. And it is really surprising that Disney have backtracked and changed this to be the leading episode on Disney Plus now. Why can't Disney handle the Muppets (laughs) in a care and love and with decent money behind it like they deserve? Always disappointing. But hey ho. We're doing it now. We're on the we're on the production order track, so we'll just we'll keep going like this until they no doubt change it all around again, and then I don't know what we'll do. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> just in time for our next batch of pre-recorded episodes. And with that, uh, it's time to say thank you so much for listening to Muppet Sational. If you've enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, as it really helps spread the word about the podcast. You can follow us on social media. We are at Muppetsational on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can contact us at hiho at muppetspodcast.com. And you can find out more about us and the podcast at muppetspodcast.com. And with that, it is time for us and our sentient Muppet clones who are just off camera to say goodbye. So from me, Lewis, goodbye. From me, Jade, goodbye. And from me, Emma, goodbye. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week for another episode of Muppet Sational. Our theme music is Peppy Pepe by Kevin MacLeod. And our artwork is designed by Charlotte Rudge who you can follow at at charlie underscore r underscore rudge on Instagram.